welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday and you're going to want to check them out. Don't forget, you can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. You can also become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash speakadogcast. Yes, all kinds of great content coming up there for you guys, so be sure you check it out. And if you love what you're hearing, do me a favor, click that five-star rating, let me know what you think. Now on today's show, we have correct corrections. Yes, sort of a little carryover from last week's episode, we were talking a bit about this in the Q&A, and so we're carrying it over to the segment today. We have to talk about those corrections because corrections are important with training your dog, but it's important that you also know how to do a proper correction. So we'll get into that and more. I also have a really interesting uh, human psychology experiment, if you will, that was uh, (laughs) done this past weekend in mass, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, Then we have our guest spot. Yes, we welcome back to the show Kelly Hayne, good friend of mine. She is the assistant director over at the Care Foundation, a wonderful exotic animal rescue and we welcome her back to hear about what's going on over there then comes the first pets followed by the listener q a and if you guys have questions for the listener q a keep them coming at me you can email me questions at speakadogcast.com or message me on social media and if you guys really want to dive into the training feel free to reach out to me for a virtual training consultation today now before we get going with today's show got to give you that trivia question and today's question is going to be which TV series had a dog named Canine who was also a robot? Yes, which TV series had a dog named Canine that was also a robot? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's show, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the podcast. Next on Speak a Dogcast, Correct Corrections. Say that one five times fast. <laughs> Correct corrections. That's what we're talking about today. How to properly make corrections with your dog. And look, guys, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And we're going to talk about a few of the different ways to make corrections. Most importantly, leash and collar. I'm going to do some demonstrations. Hey, now that we have the YouTube channel up, I can actually show you guys some of these things as we talk about them. So if you're listening on just the, the podcast side, the audio side, uh, go check out the YouTube page because it's going to be really helpful in helping you guys learn more about dog training and how to apply this information with your dog. So very excited to be bringing this YouTube channel to you guys and uh, we're going to be able to talk more about that. So yes, correct corrections. Of course, we're going to talk about collar corrections, touch corrections, different correct. But here's the thing about it. We're, we're going to get into it. But before we do, there's a very important thing we have to understand. And that's the definition of corrections, right? Seems pretty simplistic. If we want to talk about something and know what we're talking about, uh, you got to know what the definition is for it. And so um, the thing with a correction is it's it's sort of a, a term that we can exchange for what the real word is for it, and that's punishment, right? Oh, punishment. Uh, we don't have to be scared of that word if we have the right understanding for it. And so when we talk about making a correction, what we're saying is we're talking about uh, applying a punishment. Okay, a form of punishment. And we're going to dive into it just a little bit on the definition of punishment. But the interesting thing about punishment, guys, and for that matter, reinforcement, for that matter, all of the psychological terms and concepts that we talk about here on Speak a Dogcast, they're all universal, right? Punishment is a universal concept that applies to every single animal on this planet. It's true, okay? And the definition of punishment, very simply put, is anything an animal works to avoid, 
I don't want to get it right. What's what's the what's the example I always give? I don't want to get a speeding ticket, so therefore I drive the speed limit. Well, look at that. I work to avoid getting a ticket. Therefore, tickets form punishment for me. This is how we know what punishment is. Does it fit that definition? Does the animal work to avoid it? Right? Punishment is how we decrease behavior. The only way that exists on this planet to get any animal on this planet to decrease their behavior is through some form of punishment, some form of uh, uh, um, manipulation and, 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 and providing a, um, excuse me, for <laughs> providing a stimulus, there's the word, blanking for a second there, providing a stimulus in order to decrease the behavior. It's the only way on this planet to decrease behavior, guys, whether we want to admit that and like it or not, these are the rules of psychology. And the amazing thing the amazing thing is before we get into all these corrections in particular and how we do them with the, we're going to talk about corrections in the punishment uh, in the human world for a moment punishment in the human world for a second because fascinating thing last weekend all right i know we're going to talk about golf a little bit too you ready for it <laughs> i'm getting excited you guys may not no look here's the thing you don't have to understand golf you don't have to know golf you don't have to know anything about golf to understand this example i'm about to give because it's fascinating guys fascinating and it literally is absolute literal proof of the definition of punishment the concept of punishment the fact that punishment is something that works if used correctly as with anything in life it's always if done correctly used correctly okay all right so last weekend there's a big tournament big golf tournament called the masters some of you may have heard of it uh <laughs> it's a big deal and it is one of the most prestigious golf events of the year. And with that, not only does that prestige come for the players, it comes for the spectators. It is not an event you can just get into by just, you know, it, it's a limited field. It's tough to get into. And once you do get a ticket, you have to adhere to very strict rules and guidelines while on the sacred grounds of Augusta National. When you're on property, guys, in a nutshell, there's there's a lot there's a lot of rules, but in a nutshell, here's what it is. No absurd screaming. You are not allowed to boo at an opponent or anybody or or demean them for a bad shot. And here's the biggest one. No cell phones allowed. If any of you guys caught 30 seconds, 10 minutes, whatever of the Masters tournament, if you caught it, you'll notice there are nobody, we're not holding cell phones and we're not blocking everybody's view, right? We're not ruining the experience. They're all there in that moment together, which I think is amazing, but that's besides the point. That's not what I'm getting at today. While, while yes, the Masters is an amazing tournament, is an amazing experience, is, 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 is a tournament in golf unlike any other, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Here's the part that fascinates me. Think about it. All those spectators there, all of those people going to this tournament, and literally almost all of them adhere to the rules, because if you don't, if you do not adhere to the rules, there's a very strict punishment, consequence, correction that will come your way. You'll be kicked out and banned for life. You will never be allowed back on the grounds of Augusta, which in the golf world, guys, is a big deal. Okay? It's a big deal. It's, it's, it's an honor to be there, even as a patron. That's the level of prestige this tournament carries. And with that, there's the reward of being at this tournament. I'm like, ah, I love this, guys. The reward is being able to come back to the tournament, stay at the tournament. The punishment is getting kicked out. And wouldn't you know it, mind-blowing, guys. You ready for it? 
Go back and watch if you haven't. I mean, seriously, go watch the Masters. You will see people on their best behavior like you've never seen before. Why? Because there's a threat of a consequence. There is a reason for the people to keep behaving correctly. There's a reason for someone to not whip out their cell phone. Okay? I know they're not allowed, but... There's a reason people aren't screaming, get in the hole every two seconds at the Masters, because if you do, you're out of there. I love it. I love it. I love it because it's the proof. It is just proving. It is proving the concept of punishment. Anything an animal works to avoid, guys, right there. There it is. People who want to argue with me that punishment shouldn't be used, I argue with you right back. Why not? Nobody at the Masters, none of the spectators are being abused. <laughs> They're not being physically injured if they don't adhere to the, to the... We can have consequences without physicality, guys. Even with our dogs, believe it or not. Now, don't get me wrong, there should be physicality to some of our consequences, and we're going to talk about that. Enough about golf, David. I know. Enough, enough, enough. But guys, what I want you to see there is please like, look at it for what it is. People adhere to the rules because of the threat of consequence. It's that simple. This isn't my opinion. This is the way the rules work of psychology. I don't know why people like to argue with, oh, we, don't, we shouldn't punish our dogs. Blah, 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 blah. No, come on. Come on. It's because you don't know what punishment is. Anything an animal works to avoid. The Masters Tournament, the Masters shows us a golf tournament is the best example in the world of how punishment and reward work. I don't know about you, but I want to stay at the Masters Tournament and, and eat a delicious $1.50 pimento cheese sandwich <laughs> and have my cheap, affordable beer. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So you see the point, guys. An animal will keep doing a behavior until they're told not to, or until they are given a reason to stop, until they're given something to a, a work to avoid. It's not rocket science concepts. I mean, really, it's not. But it works, doesn't it? May not send man to the moon, but it works. <laughs> right? So, corrections. How do we use them with our dogs? The first thing we're going to talk about is that old good old trusty, reliable martingale collar. Here it is, guys. This is my martingale collar. Now, look, I'm going to get a store going pretty soon so you guys can buy these collars from me because I'll be honest, most collars out on the market, I know it sounds ridiculous, but they're not very good. <laughs> I buy them in bulk. Uh, I have a wonderful supplier who gives me the best martingales out there for multiple reasons. Number one, you'll notice my hardware here is all metal, nothing plastic. Now, I know sometimes they'll, they do make the ones with the buckles, and I have my arguments with the buckles. I, you know, I like them, but they scare me because they're plastic. I'm mean, just being honest. So I love these because they're durable, they're metal, they're not going to break. Um, silly little things. Over the years, guys, sometimes I'm going to actually, I'm going to put this up to the camera. I know we're kind of in cinematic mode, hide my head. Will that work? There we go. You'll notice that hoop is a hoop. It's a half circle. Some of them come in a triangle version. The chain will actually get caught up on that triangle. Uh, little things like this giant, this metal hoop will be literally this big around and weight the whole thing down all the time. You'll notice this really doesn't get weighted. It's a nice size. It's a nice weight. The ratio of the chain to the cloth is perfect. It sounds ridiculous, but there are important aspects to look for in the right collar, and it does make a difference in your corrections. Now, with that said, when we do make corrections, guys, 
Constricting collars, the whole concept is to never pull and hold. This is not how we want our dogs to be walking around pulling themselves down the street. Again, guys, check out my YouTube channel, YouTube slash Speak of Dogcast, uh, and you can actually see what we're doing here, okay? But we don't want to be pulling and dragging our dogs down. No, we want to make pop corrections. Now, the cool thing is, even you podcast listeners, you're going to be able to hear this. This is what I love about these collars. They actually give an auditory response not response, but noise, uh, that you've actually done a correction correctly. Remember I said we don't want to be pulling and holding. You hear how it goes, gug, 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 zips in. No, that's not what we want. When I make a correction, it's going to be in and out. Now, I can't even do it quite as fast holding it in my hand, but if you do it quick enough when it's around the dog's neck, it'll make one noise in and out. See how quickly I'm doing that, guys? Everyone on the, on the YouTube, you can see, boom, quick pop corrections. I don't want to be correcting like this and dragging everywhere. No, in and out, in and out. The whole concept of these collars is to mimic the natural way dogs correct each other, which we all know are those little nips to the neck. This is meant to be a nip, not a bite, okay? So let's be very particular that we're giving these quick corrections and not pulling and dragging our dogs around, okay? Very important with those corrections. And, and, and another important thing to think about, you know, I am kind of having to pull hard to get you guys the effect of it, but you don't have to pull very hard. Okay, it can be a little flick of a wrist to get that collar to go in and out. It may look like I'm going up, but it's really not that hard. So I wanna match my correction to the intensity of whatever the dog is doing. If they're just kind of maybe wandering off, their little focus is going, maybe just a nice little, hey, you know, redirection correction, right? Match the intensity of the correction to whatever the dog is doing. Now, another little side note we wanna make about our corrections is we're gonna, you know, we got a normal, regular old leash here, guys, a six foot little nylon leash. One other no uh, note I wanna make. Now, I'm gonna take it, and I'm gonna go ahead and connect this leash to the collar. When we make our corrections, if the collar is already tight, if we already have tension in the leash, and I try to make my correction, what's gonna happen? You can see it, it's gonna just pull. So it's important that my hardware is loose Right? It's nice and loose, you almost have a nice U-shape, and that way when I make a correction, it actually corrects. Okay, now I know, not the best example when I'm holding it in my hand as opposed to having another dog. Um, look, if, 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 you, um, if you guys want more content, you can also join my Patreon page, become a patron of the show today. We're getting all kinds of great content ready to be loaded up there. Uh, it's gonna be more and more, we're growing it. We just launched it recently. But yeah, check out my Patreon page, become a patron today. We're gonna get more videos with actual dogs in it, right? So not, not the podcast setting as much, and it'll give you a better idea, more training info, feel free to check it out. But again, guys, just going back to it, it's important that our hardware is loose, before we make a correction as opposed to already being tight. Not gonna work as well, it's gonna be a pull motion. It needs to be loose so we can make those nice pop corrections, okay? So just kind of giving you that little basic tutorial on how to utilize your collars and your leashes more uh, uh, properly. Now, one other thing I wanna note is people think that the word no in and of itself is a correction. And I kinda wanna dispel this, this, this little misinformation here. Um, the word no only can become a correction if we pair it with a proper stimulus, right? So even the collar correction, we can use that as a perfect example. If, I, if my dog is displaying a behavior I don't like and I make a collar correction and at the same time simultaneously I say the word no while making that correction, with enough repetition, the word no can and will be enough um, to, to use as a form of punishment, right? I can just look at my dog and go, hey, no. Hey, no, and they'll stop what they're doing. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to make a collar correction because over time I paired that collar correction with the word no. 
Does that make sense? Right? So people think the word no automatically means no to a dog. It's like, well, not quite. <laughs> That's not quite how it works. Um, there, has to be, there has to be a stimulus paired with it. Just saying no over and over. Look, how many of you out there raise your hand, go, no, no, Fluffy, no, 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 no. How many no's am I at now, right? Is, is Fluffy listening? No. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? In one ear, out the other, because there's no correction. There's no punishment with it. Guys, the only way to make behavior decrease in the world of psychology is through some form of correction or punishment. It's that simple. And just yelling the word no at your dog is not giving your dog any reason to want to stop that behavior. See? But if I have made a correction consistently and properly over and over and over with pairing that word no, then eventually, yes, in the end, the word no can be enough to get your dog to stop. Okay? But you got to make that distinction. Words only mean something to your dog if you pair a stimulus and condition a stimulus with that word. Right? It's no different than asking your dog for a sit. The only reason they know to sit is because you've paired it with the stimulus. Treat in that case, right? Reinforcement in that case, not punishment. All right. So uh, I just wanted to make that distinction so you guys understand how to make these corrections properly. And the fact that the word no can be a correction if we condition it correctly. <laughs> Getting a little confusing. All right. So what other types of punishments do we have? We, you know, we've talked about the collar and the leash. We've talked about pairing corrections with the word no so that your word no can be a correction. What about touch corrections, right? Just using our hands. Um, the collar is a form of touch correction when you think about it. I always, you know, I tell clients, your leash ends up becoming an extension of your arm. I mean, it really does. It's an extension of your arm and a communication tool. And so when that leash isn't there, we can think of our arm as, as that, that same communication tool because that's what extends it to the leash. So we can actually go in and make corrections aha, with, my, with, with our hands and with our fingers. Now, I like to go in with three fingers in the way I like to mimic the way mom corrects puppies, the way puppies, the way dogs correct each other, mimicking that nip. It's the same concept as the collar, right? When you think about it. A constricting collar like we just talked about. The whole point is to mimic a nip. So if the collar is meant to mimic a nip, why can't I mimic a nip with my hands? Oh, you can. Okay, so I like to go in with three fingers, and I'll kind of show you on my hand here. And I go in and just a little pinch, right? Little pinch. I'm not pushing. I'm not, not no. Little correction, okay? Little, little nip. You can even see the effects it's having on my hand here, okay? Now, the places we go to make those corrections are on the side of the neck, not on the front, not in the throat area, kind of shoulder, but not quite shoulder, in between shoulder and neck, right here, right where the collar sits for most dogs. And then the second place we can go and make those touch corrections are going to be on the hinds, on the sides, on the side of their booty, right? That's where we want to think about it, right on the side of the leg, the hinds, side of the butt. Those are the natural places that dogs, again, watch dog behavior and watch the way they play with each other. Play in predators is meant to mimic the hunt, which is meant to uh, corrections, right? All kind of ties in. So when you watch dogs play, where do they go? They go to those spots. And that's why those spots work well. Natural way for your dog to understand they're being corrected. Okay. Um, another little side note with these touch corrections is I don't want you to get in there and like stick around, get in, get out, make a touch correction and move on. Okay. Little Hey, nothing wrong with that. If you want to put a noise with it, if you want to put a no with it, absolutely. Just make sure you're in and out. You know, honestly, guys, in and out. Well, let's talk about in and out. You want to be in and out, not not burgers, not not for you West Coast people. We're not talking about in and out burger. Uh, <laughs> okay, no, we're talking about being in and out with everything we do. 
Look, dogs have very fast brains. They're very quick, smart, but very quick thinking. And so the more black and white you can be in your information, whether it be through reinforcement or correction, reinforcement or punishment, the more black and white and quick and in and out you can be with your information, the easier it's going to be for them to understand, okay? So when I give a treat, I give a treat and go, good boy, and then I'm done. I don't go, good boy, make a big, no, stop that stuff. Good boy, be done. Good boy, be done. If I make a correction, I'm done. I don't go, hey, why'd you do that? Oh, Fluffy, you're being bad. Why are you being bad? Oh, don't be bad. I don't have a conversation with them, all right? They're not gonna understand that in one ear and out the other. Instead, I wanna be in and out. No. Oh, good boy, treat. Oh, sorry, Coco. <laughs> she goes, why are you making correction noises, Dad? I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, <laughs> I got Coco sleeping back here behind me. What a good girl. This is my Chihuahua, Coco. I don't know if you guys have ever seen her on the podcast. Or, well, she's, she makes it on the social media sometimes, but this is my older girl. She's a good girl. Um, anyway, so yeah, be in and out with everything you guys do with your dogs. Correction, done. Re- uh, treat, done, Okay. Uh, it's better that you they learn in small bite-sized pieces of information as opposed to too much at once, right? It can kind of become overloading for them, all right? So those are really the main types of corrections. Now, we can also talk about redirection just a little bit. Um, you know, here's the thing. If, if, if I do nothing but correct my dog, right? Like if I do nothing but punish my dogs, I don't want to do that. Guess what ends up happening then? You end up becoming the form of punishment and they end up working to avoid you. I've seen it time and time again, you know. Uh, you don't want you don't want to see that with dog. You don't want your dog to be avoiding you, right? It's about balance in our corrections, and that's where the word redirection kind of starts to come in. Um, you know, look, like I said, if I do nothing but punish them, they're gonna want to work to avoid me. And if I, and, I, and look at it this way: if your dog is like, let's say we're out on the walk. Give an example. Let's say we're out on the walk and your dog may be starting to lose focus a little bit, but they're not like pulling you. They're not trying to get to another dog. They're not barking. They're not lunging. They're not, they're not doing, they're just kind of wandering off and I'm losing focus and it may get to a pool. It may start to, so I kind of want to redirect that behavior. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to just punish it. There's no reason to punish something like that. Instead, I might go, hey, Fluffy, redirect it. Maybe I'll give him just a small tap on the butt, just a little one, something light, just a little tap, tap. Hey, redirect that focus, right? Look, if we've talked about it before, if we've talked about it before, we have talked about it before that having your dog's focus, the ability to guide and control and guide and direct your dog's focus, it's everything when it comes to training. So being able to redirect those, those moments that it's not, doesn't quite call for a punishment, but I need to redirect that behavior. I can tell it might go the wrong direction, so it's good to read. Okay, that's where redirections come in. They are sort of a mild punishment, if you will. So if I do nothing but punish an animal, they're going to walk all over me. If I do nothing but reinforce an animal, or excuse me, if I, I said that wrong, let's rewind. If I do nothing but punish a dog, they're going to avoid me and hate me. If I do nothing but reinforce and reward and love a dog, they're going to walk all over me. It's all about finding that balance. And redirections are a way that allows us to kind of find that balance as opposed to having to go to one extreme or the other each time. Okay, so it's important. A redirection, by definition, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's either a physical or mental means to regain an animal's focus, regain your dog's focus, right? That's what a redirection is. And it's important that you utilize them when the opportunity arises, when it's the right moment, okay? So um, we've talked about a few things today, right? Quite a few things. We talked about the amazing social experiment that is the Masters at Augusta National in Augusta, Georgia. Amazing golf tournament that has very strict rules that 
everybody adheres to because if you don't, there's a big consequence coming your way. So I love it, guys. It's the perfect example. It's the perfect proof in the pudding, if you will, of that punishment exists and punishment is necessary and punishment works if utilized correctly. All right. So think about that example. Think about the definitions and how that comes into play with your dog. Now, of course, we also remember our collar, our leashes. We want to make sure we're making those notes of making quick collar corrections, never pulling and holding. Another note, we want to make sure our leash is nice and loose before we make a correction, because if it's tight before we make a correction, it just turns into a pull instead of a pop correction. Remember, guys, pop corrections, that, that, that collar makes a beautiful noise, one noise, zip, in and out should be one noise on the collar. It shouldn't be zip, 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 no, 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 zip, zip. Or it should be, excuse me, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm all over the place screwing this up tonight. It should be zip, one noise, in and out with those collar corrections. Now we also have touch corrections we can utilize and we can say the word no while making our corrections. That way, no can be a form of punishment down the road. Don't forget, the word no will only be a punishment if you pair it with a punishment. That simple, guys, okay? Gotta condition these things correctly in order for them to work. Utilize those touch corrections, side of the neck, not on the neck, not on the throat. Be very careful, guys. Nice little nips mimicking the way dogs naturally correct each other. Always use, uh, utilize redirections when the opportunity arises to be able to redirect and keep and regain your dog's focus. If you guys do have any more questions out there, please feel free to send them my way either for the listener Q&A questions at speakadogcast.com or we can set up a consultation and get working on your virtual training today. Feel free to reach out to me and good luck out there utilizing proper corrections with your dog. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? Well, we can help. At The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, and train with pet owners around the world, together we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet. It's our guest spot. And today at our guest spot, we welcome back Kelly Hain, the assistant director of the Care Foundation in Apopka, Florida. Uh, it's an amazing exotic animal rescue. They do wonderful, wonderful work helping care for, I don't even know how many animals now. It's going to be a lot because it's grown since the last time I've talked to them. So please help me welcome back to the show, Kelly Hain. How are you today, Kelly? I am fantastic, Dave. Thanks for having me back. How are you doing? I am doing great. And uh, thank you for uh, being on the show again. And I'm excited to hear about everything going on at Care Foundation. So why don't you just start off, tell everybody a little bit about the Care Foundation, what you guys do, and then uh, we'll, go, we'll go from there. 
Yeah. So the Care Foundation is a nonprofit, uh, 501c3 wildlife rescue, and we mainly focus on the exotic animals, mainly animals that require licensing, permitting, um, animals, some native to the United States, but also uh, mostly animals that come from other continents um, that mostly animals that are previously owned pets, animals that are from other facilities. And we focus on the ones that are often abused, neglected, mistreated, and animals that we don't recommend really be in private homes. Um, so our other mission, of course, is to then educate the public on why that's really not a good idea and really gear them in the di right direction of what would be a good choice if you do want to have something a bit more exotic than, say, just a dog or a cat or a ferret and how to make those good responsible choices and kind of the resources to do that with. So um, we, we let people come and visit the property by appointment for um, tours and events. We do birthday parties. We do community outreach as well on on all of that so but our main objective of course is to house we have about 150 animals right now Jeez. uh yeah <laughs> everything from as small as a sugar glider leopard gecko all the way up to those really big crocs and gators and even a couple of big cats as well nice and uh tell everybody care is an acronym what does what does care stand for Yes, it is stands for Creating Animal Respect and Education. And it was started by Kristen Burford, who is my boss and the director and the mother of all things there at the foundation. And she started it back in 1996. So we've been open now for 27 years. <laughs> That's crazy and fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And it is. It's it's an awesome place, guys. It's uh, you guys have 10 acres out there. And, yes. you know, like Kelly said, it's just it's incredible how many different animal species, the wide variety of species they have. And, you know, <laughs> the part I wanted to emphasize, which is why I say the acronym is the education side. And that's something that the Care Foundation does a lot of. Uh, you know, as Kelly said, they get a ton of these um, exotic pets and they shouldn't be pets to begin with. And so they're able to care and house all these amazing, amazing animals. Now, uh, coming up this weekend, we have an awesome event, too. So I want you to tell everybody about the great event that we have going on. Yes. Yeah, so usually most of our tours or events are uh, private tours. Like I said, you have to schedule them by appointment. We try to keep the facility mostly peaceful and quiet for our animals. But once or twice a year, we do open up our property to the public. Uh, there's usually an admission at the door. And that's to allow everyone to just come on in at their own pace and to be able to walk around and visit with the animals. We try and staff it with as many of our volunteers as we can to allow that kind of community festival type of a fundraiser feel. And then that, of course, is one of our biggest fun fundraising events of the year for ourselves that we throw um, to provide that support, being that we are a nonprofit. So um, we're doing that this weekend. We had one back in the fall. Uh, it was supposed to be in October, but then the hurricane decided, uh, Mother Nature said, no, ma'am. <laughs> uh, and we had to push it to December. And because of that change in date, we lost a lot of the guests that might have come by. We were competing with holiday events and family trips and what have you. So we decided to throw a second one um, coming up this weekend. So what we do is we open up the doors. We usually try and have some sort of food trucks or concessions as well. Um, some sort of photo opportunity and or educational ambassador program with a few of our animals that really truly love the interaction with the guests. And we provide that for them where the kids can come up and they can pet a skunk or be able to see up close one of our gators or our snakes. And then we also usually have a big table of a lot of our merchandise for do donation, as well as a lot of um, new products, which are some of our handcrafted paintings that are painted by the animals themselves, <laughs> as well as some of our jewelry that, that we've been making that actually has some of the animal fur 
or snakeskin or bird feathers. So a lot of the guests can take home some of the animals with them themselves. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of cool. I like that. That's new. Yeah, Very that's cool. actually something new we've been yeah. crafting to be able to provide people with that. They can take a little bit of the wild with them. Nice. And so, yeah, if you, you know, if you guys are in the Orlando area or even just Central Florida, I mean, you really look, you know, Florida's a big state, but if you're in Central Florida, it's not that big. Uh, go check out the <laughs> Care Foundation this weekend. It's really a cool event. I always love the open houses. Uh, you know, many of my listeners know I used to live up in Orlando. Um, Kelly and I met, uh, oh my God, 11 years ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just past 11 years ago. I yeah, know. it was like February 2012. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, I've known Kelly 11 years now. Uh, we've, we've worked with a lot of animals together, and, and I used to uh, volunteer my time out at the Care Foundation because it is, it's a great organization that does wonderful things. And these open houses were always some of my favorite times there. I really enjoyed it, being able to get out and interact uh, with a lot of the visitors, with the animals, like you said, let them have some of that hands-on. Uh, so if you're in the Central Florida area, be sure this weekend you go check it out, the Care Foundation. Now, uh, check them out on Facebook, Instagram, of course, carefoundation.org, uh, the website there as well. Maybe you're not close by and you want to uh, contribute, support in some way. You can always do that through their websites, through the Facebook. There's always ways to donate. So be sure you check it out, carefoundation.org. And it really is an awesome time. I love the open houses. So again, if you're close by, got to plug it one more time. Be sure you get out there and check it out. So how is, uh, how's Katrina doing? I have to ask. <laughs> oh, she's, she's her typical playful, sassy self. She's still everybody's favorite tiger. Yeah. Um, her and Tamara are the absolute best of friends. She has still remained um, so well behaved. Like we still go in with her quite a bit and spend time with her. She still wants everybody's attention. Um, I mean, she's just the absolute best. She's such a doll. I mean, she's great. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I was yeah. around uh, when Katrina was just a little cub. So that was a, quite a few years ago already, which is just nuts. No, uh, they turn eight this year. Oh, I can't geez. believe that. No. <laughs> wow. It's crazy to watch those kids ah. really grow up. And I mean, the dynamic has really changed yeah. among the big cats. Uh, like Tyrion sure. at this point, he wants his alone time. Um, the girls they haven't gone in as much together either because all of them have kind of gotten that solitary. Like we, you know, we would like to do things our own way, but Katrina is literally, I want to be everybody's best friend. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> they all have their own personalities. It's been really awesome to watch them grow up. Nice. Yeah. And how's everybody, how, how are all the primates? How's Rosie? How's, uh, as Amos again, guys, I, it's been, it's been a long time since I talked to Kelly. So I mean, I haven't gotten a full update, so I'd love to hear about all these guys. And again, you guys can go check them out at the open house and go say hi to all these animals. But yeah, how's, how's, how's Miss Rosie? <laughs> she's good she's still her crazy self Look, um is great too spider monkey yeah, she's yeah. Capuchin. so we we actually have quite a few more primates now um we yeah. now have uh a younger spider monkey yes so amos has taken on an adopted little sister that somebody had uh gotten as a pet out in texas and then very quickly turned that around so we drove all the way to texas uh, oh Kristen gosh. drove 15 hours there and back to pick up I mean, now it was three years ago, this little three month old baby spider monkey. Yeah. Um, and when we brought her back, we weren't sure if it was going to be, you know, what kind of dynamic it would be with Amos. Sure. We either thought he would end up with the I'm not the only child anymore exactly. and start you know, getting upset or do what he did, which was exactly. the best case scenario and just raise her exactly. and bring her in. He is the awesome. absolute best big brother to her that's so cool it's the coolest thing to watch her grow up and really get to be a spider monkey you know living in a house some people have pet monkeys and they do okay and they do a great job raising them but there are so many times we have you know with choop and with andy dolly and rosie and amos and every single other primate we have there it's because they were kept as pets either in 
deplorable conditions or they weren't raised correctly or they were abandoned or they were confiscated. So it's so nice to see from this. She's the first one we've ever had from a baby and watch her grow up and be able to truly be a monkey. And she's an energizer bunny. I mean, like she's, <laughs> she's a hot mess, <laughs> but it's <laughs> In the best way possible. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But she's also the kind of poster child for when people see her and they go, how cute is she? How awesome is she? I'd love to have that. And then we have to go, yeah, but you're seeing that cute side. You're not seeing the temper tantrum she has. And this is what you would have in your house 24 hours a day. Exactly. And that's what we have to deal with. So um, the brand new feature for the open house this weekend is um, Ava was just built. What's going to be her adult really awesome enclosure, which is like 20 feet high nice. and multiple sections and um, a very nice guest of ours who did a tour uh, this past winter donated one of those kids ninja warrior sets <laughs> of all the different um, yeah. rock climbing and swings. And so she has all of that in that's there. Awesome. So that's going to be our brand new, Hey, everybody come check it out as she grows up. Very cool. You know, this is what we've got built. So, so yeah, a lot of new construction, um, a lot of new things to see. People get to see her grow up and grow into that. So yeah, it's been really cool to see. That's awesome. It's, yeah. it's, it's such a, <laughs> Animal rescue is such an evolutionary process, right? It like never ends. It's always no. something. You're always building, always adding, always rebuilding, um, always feeding guys. That's uh, so everybody out there. You know, it's funny. I I, I saw um, a comment the other day on 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 the Care Foundation on your Instagram, um, where Chris was posting about you know spider monkeys don't make bad uh, don't make good pets. Excuse me, don't Correct. make good pets. And someone posted on my boyfriend wants to get a capuchin. Can you please tell him every reason not to? And it's just it amazes yeah. me how many people just willy-nilly are like, I want this primate. It's like, you have no idea. How many out there, how many people out there, how many of your parents and how many of you loved cleaning up diapers? Nobody. Imagine doing it to a monkey. Ever smelled monkey poop? It's not pleasant, guys. Um, and it's very right. close to human poop. So <laughs> I'm trying that, I, I get that a lot on my tours. I we, we do family tours. We do kids tours. We do the summer camps. We do Boy Scout troops, Girl Scout troops, homeschool groups. And so a lot of times when you have the parents there and you get that kind of comment, that's kind of the first thing I equate to, especially if I know I've got a parent standing exactly. in front of me. I say, well, <laughs> it's just like raising a child but it's going to be for the next 30 or 40 years. And this particular child has even more abilities than your child does. This child could climb to any part of your house, gone. into the rafters, gone. up the walls. I mean, <laughs> and, and they're stronger. Oh, yeah. So it's trying to get them to understand, what you know, and then once they hear that, they're like, Okay, no, thank you. Yes. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why people think just it's going to be this cute little Disney experience. <laughs> well, that, that, <laughs> that's, that's why. That's you know, like, <laughs> I didn't think, yeah, like it's not, it's not Snow White. It's, no, it's not it's, the animated version. Not We're not in Dr. Doolittle, guys. Like, while, no. while, again, while, some, while experts and people like you guys have an amazing ability to communicate with them, we're not speaking English. Yeah. You can't tell them to stop acting like a monkey. We want them to act like monkeys because that's what they are. Um, so, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> But it's great to be able to bring people in and, and show them, them yes. kind of really, yeah, yeah. And, and educate them. And, and so many people leave our place having a better respect and understanding of what that animal is, why we do what we do, and then hopefully go out and make better choices. You know, yep. we are very realistic. You know, you know that when, when you were there, um, 
that we can't stop people from doing all of these things, but we can hopefully gear them in the right direction. If you really want to get some sort of an exotic animal, let's teach you about what's a good choice. A bearded dragon, even a skunk, you know, what <laughs> exactly. kinds of snakes. Yes. Um, let's do this the right way. Let's let's resource you as best as possible, because otherwise, guess where those animals are going when right you decide you to make that bad decision right back to a place like ours. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's just, it's like it's like that catch 22 where we're all everybody. Obviously, everybody's listening to the podcast. You guys are animal lovers um, and we're very grateful for places like care that do exist. And at the same time, it's like that. I wish they didn't have to exist. I'm grateful that they do, but it stinks that they have to, um, because sure. the reality is, is you take all these animals from bad situations and you give them a much, much better situation. Um, so it would be great if we didn't have to do that. But. You know, at the same time, it's like in this day and age with with the lack of exposure to animals, you know, and exposure to wildlife, I think what you guys do is not just amazing, but necessary. Like you said, that yeah. education side, there is just such this disconnect uh, between people and animals now. And you guys really help bridge that gap. You know, you're one way. Again, open house, guys, go check it out because we can sit here and talk about it. You can look at pictures on Instagram. But without going and experience it firsthand and actually seeing the animals with someone like Kelly who's, you, who can tell you everything you need to know about them and then some, you know, um, without that experience, you just don't have that true understanding. Um, look, Kelly's worked full contact with animals for years and years as, as myself. You know, we, we believe that there is a right way to do it. And in doing it the right way, it actually helps educate the public better. Um, it's going to make the animals' lives in the long term better. So, you know, I'm grateful and thank you guys for everything you do. And I know everybody else, you all agree with me. Um, <laughs> and look, even if you're not close by, if you're not in the area, there are so many rescues everywhere around the country, guys. So many exotic animal rescues and organizations, nonprofits that need your help, that need your support, that need you to just go out and give them five bucks for the weekend. You have no idea how long, how much, how that stretches for food for the animals. Uh, things that you just don't think about on a daily basis that uh, people care. And again, all these wonderful organizations have to have to deal with, you know, and think about and constantly put effort and energy towards. So find rescues in your area, go support them, go volunteer, go be a part of the uh part of it, you know, it's awesome. So, I mean, I mean, and you know, we're sitting here on, you know, on a podcast using, using social, like different media platforms and social media is such a big thing and it can be used positively. Yes. A lot of people use, if, if you're not in the area and you want to choose a rescue that you're not local to, um, there are ways to, a lot of people have up Amazon, like we have an Amazon wish list on our website. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these different places will give you, um, remote ways to be able to support them, whether it be, if you want to actually send a monetary donation or you want to send items, a lot of places do animal sponsorships, yeah. you know, sponsoring one of their particular animals and they send you a thank you or a gift package. I mean, there's so many different ways to be able to particularly support a foundation, even if you're not there. Yeah. And then obviously going and visiting, like you said, there are so I mean, it's just Central Florida alone. People are floored by how many <laughs> animal rescues there are in our area. Yes. Um, and then just wherever you live, if you're not local, finding that particular place and what they need, whether it's donating items that you have. You know, it's people are surprised at how many things in their own house could then benefit a rescue that you're not using. Donation drives that their kids can do. Uh, we've taken a lot of um kids that you what they call them bright futures hours here community service hours a lot of the schools these days are you know requiring students to complete a certain amount of service hours in order to graduate or to gain scholarships we now have 
at least at minimum two to three students completing those hours on the weekends with our animals. And a lot of them continue on as volunteers after they're done. So there's so many different ways to get the community involved, you know, and a lot of them, when they come to a place like ours, they're like, this is so much more fun and rewarding than doing something else in terms of non. I mean, every nonprofit has a reason, <laughs> but when you want, when you talk about wild animals, yeah, exactly. you said bridging that gap with the younger generation too. Uh, a lot of people love to, to choose a place like ours to get involved in. Definitely. So definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So again, guys, check out the Care Foundation. They are on Instagram. They're on Facebook. You can go to carefoundation.org. Uh, you know, as Kelly said, Amazon, the wish list. You guys can contribute in all different kinds of ways, uh, whether that's monetary, if you're close by, volunteer, what have you. There's so many ways you can get involved with the Care Foundation. And of course, check out all the amazing rescues all around the country that you guys can help support. Uh, so it, really, really awesome. So this weekend, uh, remind me, Kelly, 15, uh, excuse me, yeah, 15th and 16th, right? Saturday and yeah. Sunday. Okay, and what are, the, yes. what are the hours for the open house? So it begins at 10, 10 a.m. And then we will go till uh, doors will close at four, but the event will be until five once you've entered to allow that extra hour at the end. Okay. And how much is the cost for like adults, kids, anything like that? And veterans, do you offer discounts? Yeah, so adults are $10 for entry. Uh, kids are $5 and then kids three and under are free to come in. And then all um, military and law enforcement are free to come in as well. Fantastic. We are really big in that. They have always been helpful for us. So we always thank them for their service. Absolutely. Thank you guys. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Um, so again, guys, Care Foundation, check them out. Go be a part of uh, supporting animals and supporting your local rescue. Kelly, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Uh, it was great catching thank up. Thank you, and great talking to you. Yeah, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. So uh, yeah. thank you and go check out carefoundation.org. Next on Speak of Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on The First Pets, we'll be talking about Martin Van Buren. Martin Van Buren, he was the eighth president of the United States, serving from 1837 to 1841. Now, before becoming president, Van Buren was a lawyer, but he'd always been involved in politics, even from a young age. Now, at one point, he was a state senator, the New York attorney general, a presidential elector, and a member of the state constitutional convention. Now, during Andrew Jackson's presidency, he served as both secretary of state and the vice president. Now, an interesting fact about Van Buren, he was the first president uh, born as a U.S. citizen, not as a British subject. Yes, now he was also the first president that was not of British or Irish descent, as his family had Dutch ancestry. Now, Martin Van Buren did not have any traditional pets while in the White House, uh, maybe with the exception of a few horses that he kept at the White House stables. Instead, he opted for something a little more dangerous. <laughs> yes, he received a gift from Kabul Assad, the Sultan of Oman, not long into his presidency, and this gift was a pair of tiger cubs. Yes, now in his excitement and joy, Van Buren began making changes around the White House to accommodate the big cats, but not so fast. <laughs> Congress was not on board of the idea of the president having such dangerous animals as pets. Now, Congress claimed that the, clubs had, uh, the cubs had started their journey to the United States while Jackson was still president. Therefore, it made them the property of the United States. Van Buren disagreed, saying that the cubs had been sent to, quote, the president, which he was now. Despite his arguments, the cubs were taken by Congress and sent to the local zoo. Probably a right call in the end. <laughs> Thank you.
Next on Speaking Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. First question today comes from Ezra from Miami, Florida. Ezra asks, my wife wants to get a dog for the family, but our kids are still pretty young, three, five, and nine years old. Now, I had a dog growing up and loved everything about it and want that for my kids, but I also know the work and time that goes into having a dog. My wife has never had a dog, so I told her that she had to do some research and she came across your podcast. Now, she had me listen to a few episodes and it sounds like you would agree with me that we should wait a little longer. Love the podcast. Let me know what you think. <laughs> Ezra, you're playing a dangerous game, buddy. You're trying to get me involved. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't think I want to get involved in the no. Uh, look, Ezra, you're right. You are correct to some degree. Look, every family's different. Every kids are different. Every dynamic is different. Um, it really depends. Yeah, three and five, that's kind of young. And if you're talking about like getting a puppy, I could see how that could be a lot because you know the responsibility is going to be passed on to you and your wife mostly. And, you know, if you both work or or whatever, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to put on a family of five. Um, look, I myself, my I was the youngest of three and our first dog did not come into the house until I was seven years old. So, you know, I hear you and and I totally get what you're saying. Look, my sister's same way. They're, they're, they just got a puppy. Um same kind of thing, right? They waited till their youngest was a certain age. So yeah, Ezra, I, I don't disagree with you. At the same time, it is going to be up to each individual family on when that timing is best. I, I'm giving you both answers, right? Because your kids might be more capable than the average three or five-year-old. I mean, that's true, right? <laughs> like maybe, maybe the maybe you're getting a small little toy dog and it's not going to matter as much, as much. There's still a lot of work and time, don't get me wrong, uh, but it is a little easier from a safety perspective to know that like a toy chihuahua versus going and getting a Malvi retriever breed of some kind or, or any other large breed dog, right? Um, so I hear you, I hear you. So am I agreeing with you? <laughs> like, yes and no. Like I said, I'm leaning more toward the side of agreeing with you that, yeah, maybe your kids are, the younger kids are still right on the edge. They're right on that cusp, right, of being just old enough. But at the same time, I am going to say it's not necessarily too young. It depends on your lifestyle, your careers, how much time you can put in, all that stuff. So it's going to come down to you guys discussing it. But like I said, I'm like 60-40 without knowing more details. So <laughs> I kind of hope that helps you on your dog journey with you guys. And uh, good luck to you. Let me know if you have any more questions. The next question today, this comes from Daniel from Fort Myers, Florida. Daniel asks, what kind of dog was your first dog? Good question, Daniel. I like that. I, I guess I could kind of answer this as a two-parter. It, it, it sort of depends. Uh, my first dog that I ever had as a little kid that I got, just like we were talking about this last question, uh, when I was seven years old was a Shih Tzu. Uh, her name was Ashley. And we got her as a little puppy. I don't remember exactly how old she was, but man, she was little. I remember being a little thing. And she lived to be, I think, like six, 17 years old. And uh, wow, you know, right? So Shih Tzu was my first dog as a child. But my first dog as an adult uh, that I got with my fiance at the time, now my wife, was my half lab, half Great Dane, Penny lane. So I had two first dogs is <laughs> kind of the way I see it because Ashley was my family's dog and it was all of our dogs and Penny Lane was mine and my fiance's dog. So Shih Tzu and Half Lab, Half Great Dane, Daniel. Thanks for the question. The answer to today's trivia question, which TV series had a dog named Canine who was also a robot? It's the long-running British sci-fi series, Doctor Who. Doctor Who. 
podcast today thank you so much for listening in if you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button do so right now new episodes come out every wednesday you're gonna want to check them out you can follow me on instagram become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash speak thank you to my patron regula right have a wonderful week and don't forget get out there and walk your dog 